Good evening, everyone. Welcome, welcome. Nice to see you. I believe this is our 14th time together. So as I have said before, time is really flying at supersonic speed. So whatever you have to do, as Jesus said to Judas, do it quickly. And that is make the right decision for Jesus Christ. It may be the only opportunity you have to make that kind of decision. Who is with us for the first time? May I see your hands? God bless you. Oh, God bless you. I see a concentration of distinguished people to the right. Anyone else first time? I didn't catch all the hands because of the lights. All right. We have a little angel right here. If you're in the balcony, I accept by faith that you've raised your hands. I cannot see you because of the light. I am delighted you're with us, and I'm quite sure that God will bless you with an infilling of truth. Let us bow our heads now and pray. Our loving Father in heaven, we ask you now in the name of Jesus to bless us. Lord, we cannot bless ourselves. We ask you, Father, to please enlighten us. Remember, Father, the words that David spoke in 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 2, when he said, The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. Father, I am asking you, please, put your words in my tongue and put understanding into the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn with me to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, and we shall read verse 9. And we shall read a series of verses before I tell you the title of this evening's presentation. John chapter 1, and we shall read verse 9. The Gospel of John, the fourth Gospel. And we're reading from the King James Version, John chapter 1, reading verse 9. And John says, That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. I repeat, that was, what kind of light? The true light, which lighteth every man or person that cometh into the world. Let us go to John chapter 4, reading verse 23. John chapter 4, verse 23. And we're pleased to see those of you who are coming in the downstairs section and above. John 4, verse 23. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. Listen to the verse again. But the hour cometh, and now is, when whom? The true worshippers. So in John 1, 9, we have... The true light. In John 4.23, we have the true worshippers. Let us go to John 6. John chapter 6. And we shall read verse 32. John 6 verse 32. The Bible says, Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven. But my Father giveth you what? The true bread from heaven. So we have the true light. John 1, 9. The true worshipers. John 4, 23. The true bread. John 6, 32. Let us go to John 15. Please don't worry. I will tell you the title of the message shortly. But I want to establish something first in your fertile, sharp, God-given minds. John 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. We have the true light. We have the true worshipers. We have the true bread. We have the true vine. Let us go to John 17. John chapter 17. Very, very powerful chapter. That is really the Lord's Prayer in John 17. Verse 3. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. 
Now, if there is a true light, what does that tell you immediately? There's false light. If there are true worshipers, you know immediately there are false worshipers. If there is true bread, you know there is false bread. If there is a true vine, there is a false vine. And where there is a true God, there is a false God. You and I, all our lives, we deal with truth and error. Whether we like it or not. And it is incumbent upon us to learn how to distinguish truth from error. It is the business of the devil to bring us in contact with the false light and the false worshippers and the false bread and the false vine and the false god. It is the business of God to bring us into contact, saving contact with the true light, the true worshippers, the true bread, the true vine and the true God. What do you say? So who's on your side? God. Even when you are not on his side, God is on your side. True light, false light, true God, false God. Now, let us focus on true God. The only true God, says Jesus Christ. Then how does God distinguish himself from false gods? Let us take a look. Let us go to Psalm 96. Psalm 96, reading verses 4 and 5. Psalm 96, verses 4 and 5. Do we have that? The Bible says, for the Lord is what? Great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, which means... That there are other gods. Now there really are no gods with respect to power. But God is fair. God allows some sort of recognition to these so-called gods. And so the Bible says, For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared, respected above most gods. All gods. Verse 5. For all the gods of the nations are what? Idols. But the Lord did what? Made the heavens. You notice the word but. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but. Now here is God distinguishing himself from all the gods in verse 4 and the idols in verse 5. And how does he separate himself? Give me one word. Creation. Let's go to Isaiah chapter, not Isaiah, Jeremiah chapter 10. Jeremiah 10. You shall read from verse 3. For the customs of the people are vain. For one cutteth a tree out of the forest. The work of the hands of the workman with the axe. They deck it with what? Silver and with gold. Now what is Jeremiah describing? The construction of what? An idol. They deck it with silver and with gold. They fasten it with nails and with hammers that it move not. They are upright as the palm tree, but do what? Speak not. They must needs be born. The word born means carried because they cannot No, Jeremiah is stressing the helplessness of these gods. Be not afraid of them, for they cannot do evil, neither also is it in them to do what? To do good. Look at verse 10. But the Lord is what? The true God. Now, here we have a distinction. The true God as opposed to the false God, but the Lord is the true God. He is what? The everlasting, he is an everlasting king. He's the living God. Look at verse 11. Thus shalt thou say unto them, The gods that have not made the heavens and the earth. 
God is separating himself. Thus shall ye say unto them, The gods that have not made the heavens and the earth, even they shall perish from the earth and from under these heavens. He hath made the earth by his what? His power. He hath established the world by his what? His wisdom. And hath stretched out the heavens by his what? His discretion. Jeremiah is highlighting the qualifications that make God God. And that is the fact that he can create. The false gods cannot create. They are created. From Lucifer down to an idol of stone, they are created. Listen to me carefully. I want this to sink like water through the soft, fertile soils of your mind. God's defense of his deity. God defends his claim to be God by appealing to the fact that he possesses the natural ability to do what? To create. Which means creator is God's fundamental status or role. I hope I'm using the right words. Why do I say that? You may say, well, what about Savior? Yes. The second member of the Godhead is Savior. But had there been no sin, there would have been no Savior. But had there been no sin, there would have still have been a creator. Listen to me. You need to understand that God as creator must be at the very foundation of your relationship with God. That's why the Bible begins, for God in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Not in the beginning, God saved mankind. Now, I am not belittling the salvation of God. But we must understand that salvation can only be carried out by someone who is first a creator. If God had not been creator, he could not have saved. Savior needed creator. Creator does not need savior because in the new world, the role of savior will cease. The role of creator will continue come on say amen for god as the creator let me repeat i am not belittling the role of savior but that is temporary god is creator now let's go to genesis 1 you were probably expecting me to get to genesis sometime sooner or later genesis 1 let's read from verse 1 you should not need to turn there by now come on you are all A students. What does Genesis 1-1 say? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now, the word God in that verse is plural. It does not mean there are three gods. It means there are three persons in the Godhead. For instance, you have a husband. His name is Smith. I believe the most common name in the United States. Mr. Smith. Then you have Mrs. Smith. Then you have little Johnny Smith and you have little Sally Smith. How many Smiths do you have? How many families? One. Is little Johnny Smith as much a Smith as Father Smith? Yes. Is little Sally Smith as much a Smith as Mother Smith? Yes. We have four in one. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, the Bible says, Therefore shall a man leave his father, that's the man, that's one, and his mother, and cleave to his wife, and they, too, shall be one flesh. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. How many gods? One God, but three in one. Now the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now verse 2. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. Now read the rest with me. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Our title for this evening's message. Who is the Holy Spirit? Now verse 1 tells us who were involved in creation. 
Verse 2 identifies one of them. Who created the heaven and the earth according to verse 1? Come on, speak with confidence. God. Never hesitate to give God credit for creation. Don't bite your tongue. Who created the heaven and the earth? God. That's right. The Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. Not half-dead praises. Always take the opportunity to recognize God's. It drives the devil mad. Puts him on medication. So when you can say God is good, say it. When you can say the heavens and the earth were created by God, say it. When you can say there's no other God but God, say it. And verse 2 says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. The Spirit of God was involved in creation. Let's go to Psalm 104. Read verse 30. As we continue with the subject, who is the Holy Ghost? We are establishing now the divinity or the deity of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. Psalm 104, verse 30. Do we have that? Thou sendest forth thy what? They are, yes, the Spirit was actively involved in the process of creation. You see, creation was carried out, how? By the Word of God. The Word of God has power because the Word of God is imbued with the very Spirit of God. That's why Jesus says in John 6.63, the words that I speak unto you, they are Spirit and they are life, not just physical life, because the physical life in you is in an animal. We're talking about eternal life, everlasting life, the very life of God. It's in his word. Because the spirit imbues the word. And so when Jesus said, the second member of the Godhead, let there be light, the operation of the Holy Spirit through the word brought the light into existence. Can I explain all the details? No. The Bible says in Psalm 33 verse 6, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. And the Hebrew word for breath is the same Hebrew word for spirit. What am I saying? I am saying, as we continue with who is the Holy Spirit, point number one, the Holy Spirit is God. Let's go to John 14 verse 6. I'm sure you know that verse. It says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Let's identify or let's focus on truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth. Let's isolate truth. Let's go to 1 John chapter 5. Our subject is, who is the Holy Ghost? Or who is the Holy Spirit? That generally unknown member of the Godhead. First John chapter 5. Let's read from verse 4. The Bible says, For whatsoever is born of God doeth what? Overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is what? The Son of God. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that does what? Beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. Now if Jesus declares, I am truth. And the Holy Spirit is recorded as being truth. Then the Spirit is equal to the Son. And the Son makes it so clear, He and His Father are one, so that Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are one. One in power. They are co-divine. They are co-equal. They are co-eternal. 
Let's go back to John 14, verse 6. Don't you like God's word? Say amen if you do. It's my favorite book. And number two is so far behind, I can hardly see it. Because the Bible is so far ahead as number one for me. And I believe for you as well. Am I right? Say amen. All right. What book did I say? What chapter? What verse? We said it earlier. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now let's go to Romans chapter 8. Please don't be upset with me because I'm making you hitchhike through the Bible. It's good exercise for you. This is, you know, there's something called praise aerobics. Have you ever heard of it? You put on something that's supposed to sound holy and you jump up and sweat in leotards. But the, this, is, this is praise aerobics right here. From book to book to book to book. What do you say? All right. What book did I say? Romans, what chapter? Eight. What verse? From verse one. Romans 8 from verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the, but after the Spirit. For the law of what? The Spirit of? Is that what's written? Double check. For the law of the Spirit of? No doubt God's word. It's right in front of your eyes. For the law of the spirit of life. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. The Bible says, for the law of the spirit of life. I need more amens than one yes. Don't you like God? Aren't you glad the power that comes to bring Christ the Holy Spirit has all the power of God and the Son? Would you like an inferior kind of power? When you have the Holy Ghost, you have everything heaven has. Because when you have the Holy Ghost, you have the Father and you have the Son. Is someone glad? For the law of the Spirit of life, He is life. And He is truth. He is God. Let's go to Psalm 8. I should warn you that there is no way in the world anyone can exhaust the subject of the Holy Spirit in one sermon. Don't expect that. Or one series. You cannot exhaust God. But I want to lay some things on your consciousness. And I want you to leave reflecting on what you hear. It is truth that sets you free, not opinions. I don't care how much you love the opinion and how far back it goes in your family tree. I can respect it. But only truth sets you free. Amen. Only truth sanctifies you. Amen. What book did I say? What chapter? What verse? Reading from verse 3. This is David speaking. When I consider thy what? Thy heavens. The works of thy fingers. The moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. Now, David says, when I consider thy heavens. The works of thy fingers, the fingers of God. What is that? Let us go to Exodus chapter 8. Let's go visit Pharaoh and his magicians. Exodus 8. We shall read verses 18 and 19 as we continue. Who is the Holy Spirit or who is the Holy Ghost? Exodus 8 verses 18 and 19. The Bible says, and the magicians did so with the enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. So there were lice upon man and upon beast. You see, Moses and Aaron had brought forth lice at the power of God. The Egyptian magicians somehow had copied the earlier miracles. When Moses and Aaron turned water to blood, the magicians did something that looked so close, it seemed almost identical. Because the devil cannot do exactly what God does. You need to say amen. I am so glad that the devil cannot do exactly what God does. Because he's limited. Whatever it was they did, it looked like blood. Then when Moses and Aaron brought frogs, the magicians did something similar. 
Maybe they knew where the frogs live. You can go get frogs. That's not so miraculous. Now, Moses and Aaron, they tossed dust into the air. And out came lice. So the magicians, they tried it. The Bible says it didn't work. So there were dust upon men and upon beasts. Verse 19. Then the magicians said unto Pharaoh. You read what they said. This is the of God. This is the finger. What do they mean? What do they mean? Let us go to Exodus chapter 31. Exodus 31. Reading verse 18. Exodus 31 verse 18. The Bible says, And he gave unto Moses, when he had made an end of communing with him upon Mount Sinai, two tables of testimony. Tables of stone written how? With the finger of God. Now we have this finger again. What is this finger of God? That can produce miracles. That can stomp the forces of Satan. That can create Let's go to Matthew chapter 12. We will read verse 28. Matthew 12 verse 28 as you find the verse. Let me set it up for you. Christ has been accused of casting out demons using the power of the devil. What a tremendous insult to the Son of God. And Christ is defending himself. He cannot do that. And so he says in verse 28 of Matthew 12. If I cast out devils by the what? By the what? Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. Now go to Luke. Luke 11. Reading verse 20. Luke 11, verse 20. Jesus speaks. It's the same incident this time Luke is talking about or writing about. And Jesus says, that if I, by what? The finger of God, with the finger of God, cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God is come upon you. Now, if you look at Luke 18, 20, 11, 20, and Matthew 12, 28, what conclusion must you draw? The finger of God is the Spirit of God. The expression finger is just a symbolic expression to refer to the active power which is the Holy Ghost. So when David said, when I consider thy heavens, the works of the Holy Ghost, the works of thy fingers, the Holy Spirit was an active force in creation. Let me explain it this way. When I use the word force, the Holy Spirit is a person. Don't get me wrong. He's not electricity. He's not energy. Energy can't convict you of sin. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. They're all equal. Yet they have different functions. If only human beings can be so united. The Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost are equally God. Yet they have all agreed they will occupy different functions without giving up the fact that they're God. God authorizes Jesus Christ commands what God authorizes and the Holy Spirit brings it into existence let me put it this way now this is a very amateur attempt on my part who can fully explain how God functions God the Father God the Son God the Holy Ghost must have come together they're always working together they decided let's create God the Father said I approve I give my permission to create a new world, new people. God said, son, see that it gets done. Jesus said, yes, Father. He said, Holy Spirit, come. When I speak it, activate it. <laughs> Woo! The Father said, it's fine with me. Son, do it. The Son said, Holy Spirit, when I speak, the moment I speak, Exercise power. Activate it. So Father, Son, and Spirit were involved in creation. Now let's just isolate the Holy Spirit. 
He can only be involved in creation because he is God. If I say nothing else tonight, understand me clearly. The Holy Spirit is God. As much as the Father is God. And as much as the Son is God. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1. Let's read from verse 9 as we continue. Who is the Holy Spirit? Or who is the Holy Ghost? And I should remind you, anytime I preach, you must take time during the sermon simply to say, Father, please give him the words to say. Because you must believe the devil will try to tie my tongue and allow me to say the wrong thing. I don't want to do that. So just say quickly, Lord, please give him the right words. Only Jesus can speak perfect truth. I can't. So I really need your prayers to help me every time I stand here. What book did I say? Reading from verse 9 of chapter 1. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. What that verse simply means is that what faith leads to is salvation. The end means the outcome. Say amen for faith. (laughs) Faith leads to salvation. Receiving the end or the outcome or the culmination of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Of which salvations the prophet have inquired and searched diligently. Who is Peter talking about? These prophets. Which prophets? Ah, come on, don't take so long, you're embarrassing me. Which prophets? The prophets where? In the Old Testament. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, the grace being what Christ would come to do. Unto whom? Searching what? Or what manner of time? The spirit of whom? Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the suffering of Christ and the glory that shall follow. What? Who inspired the Old Testament prophets? The Holy Spirit who is the Spirit of Christ. All scripture is given how? By inspiration of God. Now angels are sent to help people understand the scriptures. Angels participate in passing on the scriptures. Angels are not empowered to inspire you to write scripture. Are you listening to me? No angel can inspire you to write scripture. The angels assist us in understanding the only power that can inspire scripture is the Holy Ghost. Why? Because the inspired word has the very life of God in it and no angel can produce that. Jesus said, as we read earlier, John 6, 63, it is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. An angel cannot produce it. I say again, the spirit of God is The Holy Spirit is? Yes. Don't hesitate to give God his credit. Don't be reluctant to give Christ his credit. Don't be slow to give the Holy Ghost his credit. The Bible says, all manner of blasphemy and sin against the Son of Man shall be forgiven you. But the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost, this is serious business, don't play with the Holy Ghost. Understand who he is and watch how you act around him. The Bible says you can talk badly about Jesus, blaspheme Jesus. Now, I don't recommend that you do it, but if you do it, there's possibility of forgiveness. There's availability. You do it against God, the Holy Ghost. The Bible says you won't be forgiven in this world, nor in the world to come. (laughs) You better understand who the Holy Spirit is. You can't blaspheme against an angel. Are you getting this? You cannot blaspheme against an angel. 
You blaspheme against the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost is God. You can blaspheme against God. You can blaspheme against Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost. You don't blaspheme against an angel. The Holy Ghost is God. Now we've identified the Holy Ghost. He creates. He's truth. He's life. Let's go back to John 14, verse 6. John 14, verse 6. You know it. I am the way and the we have seen that the Holy Spirit is life. Romans 8, 2, this law of the spirit of life. We have seen, as Jesus is truth, the Holy Spirit is truth. 1 John 5, verse 6. It is the spirit that bears witness because the spirit is truth. Now, Jesus says, I am the way. Let's go to Galatians 5, 16. Galatians 5, 16. Do you have that? What does Paul say? This I say then, do what? Walk. How? In the spirit, which is in the right way. The word way isn't written, but it's understood. To walk in the spirit is to walk in the way. Christ says, I am the way. The Bible says, walk in the way, which is the spirit. Christ says, I am the truth. The Bible says, the spirit is truth. Christ says, I am the, 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 what's the other one? The life. The Holy Spirit is the life. The spirit is as much God as Christ. You blaspheme him. You're in a world of trouble. Not even Jesus can get you out of it. And when Jesus can't get you out of trouble, you're in trouble. Let me show you something else about the Holy Spirit. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. Romans 8. Reading from verse 7 of Romans 8. Did I tell you earlier I'm happy to see you? I did? I didn't. Well, I'm happy to see you. I am. I love people who love the Word of God. Romans 8, reading from verse 7. I still hear pages, and that's okay. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be, so that they that are in the flesh, what? Cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but what? In the spirit, if so be, that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. Now, if any man hath not the what? Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. You cannot belong to God. Unless in you dwells the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 7. If any man, that word man means person, hath not the Spirit of Christ, He is none of his. No matter what he says. Now the Bible doesn't say if any man does not have his name on the books of the church, he's none of his. Your name can be on the books of all the churches in California. That guarantees you nothing with respect to salvation. I'm not saying that church is unimportant. Church is vitally important. Jesus started the church. But I'm saying you are saved by having the Holy Spirit abiding as the controlling force in your life. Now, the Holy Spirit dwells in just about everyone. Let me explain that quickly. When I say dwells in, he affects everyone. It is only the Holy Spirit that can convict you of sin. Are you with me? Therefore, he has to interact with everyone, the sinner and the saint. The sinner to bring that person to Christ, the saint to repent. Now, the Holy Spirit also works on those who have gone past the bounds of mercy. He works on them to restrain them in the amount of evil they do. You know, people make fun of Christians. Let me repeat tonight what I said last night. 
if God were to pluck every child of his from the earth now, the earth would go up in a fireball. The reason why this world is in more, is, isn't in more chaos is because the Holy Spirit is still restraining the evil in men's hearts. It is the Spirit alone that can restrain the devil. This is serious business. And if the Holy Spirit is not in you, you don't belong to Christ. Now, if that is true, the intelligent question you should ask is this, then how do I get the Holy Spirit into my heart so that I may belong to Christ? I'm not sure you like the verse I'm about to take you to, but I have to do it. Let's go to Acts chapter 5. Acts 5. Reading from verse 30. This is Peter and John speaking to the Sanhedrin. One of the many times they were arrested and had to defend the faith. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus whom he slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior. For to give repentance and forgiveness to Israel. Verse 32. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given, you finish it. Now I know, you haven't told me this, but I know, I feel it in my bones. Some of you are saying, that preacher stresses obedience too much. I know you say that. You haven't told me, I know you say it. You know why I stress it? Because obedience is the foundation for happiness on earth and in heaven. God gives the Holy Ghost to them that do what? Obey Him. How else you get the Holy Ghost? That's not the only condition. It's the foundational condition. Everything springs from that. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. Acts 2. And my tongue is running out like a stream down a sharp slope. Acts 2, 37 and 38. Now Peter has come just about to the end of his message on the day of Pentecost. Powerful sermon. The Bible says, Now when they heard these things, they were cut, pricked in their hearts, and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? What did Peter say? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye sh what? shall receive. Not might. Guaranteed. Ye shall. How many of you would like the Holy Ghost? Raise your hand. You're serious? You're not just playing with a preacher? The Bible guarantees. Peter says, under the inspiration of the same Holy Ghost. Remember, he was filled with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost says, you want me in you? Repent. Be baptized. In the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of sins. And ye shall Receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. How badly does God want to give you the Holy Ghost? Let's go to Matthew chapter 7. Let me say again, there's so many things I need to say about the Holy Ghost. I can't say them tonight. I just want to lay a foundation. Matthew 7. Jesus says in verse 7, Ask and what? You shall receive. Seek and you shall knock and it shall be. For everyone that asketh and he that seeketh findeth and to him that knocketh it shall be. Or what man is there of you whom if his son asks bread will give him a what? A stone or if he asks a fish will give him a what? Serpent. Verse 11. If ye then, them, 
being what? Evil. Means your mind is restricted, your mind is corrupt. Know how to give good gifts unto your children. Hmm? How much more to your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him. Now the question becomes, what is this good thing? Let's compare scripture with scripture. Luke chapter 7 verse, Luke 11 verse 13. Luke 11 verse 13. What is this good thing that God much more wants to give us? Luke is writing about the same incident. Luke 11 verse 13. Luke says, If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give what? The Holy Spirit to them that ask. Now, we put all those together. How do you receive the Holy Ghost? You ask. And when you ask, the Lord says, I'm glad you asked. I am glad you asked. Now here's how you get it. Repent. God says, you ask me, here's how to get it. Repent. Be baptized. Obey me. I will give you the Holy Ghost. Because your Savior, Jesus Christ, promised it before he left. Because your Savior, Jesus Christ, knows without the Holy Ghost, you are not his. Paul says, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Without the Holy Spirit, you have no conviction you belong to God. In John 16, reading verse 7. John 16, reading from verse 7. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He's about to go to Calvary. Through Gethsemane to Calvary. These are, in many ways, his final words. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. But there are conditions for receiving him. We tend to read the Bible in an isolated way. You know, John 15, 7 says, If my word abide in you, and, and if, if I abide in you, my, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will. But the word of God has to abide in us. We just love John 14, 13, 14, 14. If we shall ask anything in my name, I'll do it. And so we run around, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And think it is a magic formula like abracadabra, open sesame. It doesn't work like that. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, then you'll ask whatever you need to ask, because my spirit in you will tell you what to ask for. And you'll get it. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him. Here's some insight into how Father, Son, and Holy Ghost function. As much as the Holy Spirit is God, he obeys the commands of the Father and the Son. And you can't get human beings to do that. <laughs> We're not gods. <laughs> Jesus said, I'll send him. Look at John 14, 26. John 14, 26. This is Christ speaking. He says, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father shall send in my name, he shall do what? teach you all things. Now, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, how will you understand God's Word? Using your degree from USC? The Bible says God has hidden these things from the wise. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Now, notice in verse 26 of John 14, Jesus says, whom the Father shall send. But how does the Father send him? In my name. The authority of Jesus. Now let's go to chapter 15 verse 26. This is still Christ speaking. 
And we're closing off the subject, who is the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit? John 15, 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom I shall send unto you from the Father. Now, verse 26 of chapter 14 says, God will send the Holy Spirit. Jesus says in verse 26 of chapter 15, I will send the Holy Spirit. No conflict. Because when the Father sends the Holy Ghost, He sends the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. The Father gives commands to the Holy Ghost. The Son gives commands to the Holy Ghost. Now when Jesus walked this earth as a human being, in His humanity, He subjected Himself to the leading of the Holy Ghost. In His humanity. And so Luke 4, 18 could say, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He hath anointed me. But when Jesus rose triumphant, He sent the Holy Ghost. Jesus was full of the Holy Ghost. Acts 10, 38. No Holy Ghost, no power. And I have not even gotten into the gifts of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. But let me tell you quickly, there's no law against it, but there's a law for it. For those of us who love lawlessness, there's no law against it, there's one for it. And that's the great law of love. We have not gotten into the gifts of the Spirit. The Spirit gets all these things from Christ and brings them to us. No Holy Spirit, no Christ. No Christ, no salvation. No salvation, hell. That's not what what you want. It cannot be what you want. God offers you the power of the Holy Ghost. And since God cannot lie, Christ has promised the Holy Ghost to them that obey Him, to those who repent and are baptized. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you something. The greatest need you have is the Holy Ghost. You may think the greatest need you have is a bigger house. No, that's not your greatest need. Your greatest need is to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And that's my greatest need. The person who has the Holy Spirit has all that heaven has. Because Jesus says, all that the Father hath are mine. Therefore the Holy Ghost shall take of mine, which is all that the Father has, and give it to you. You want the best for your children. You also want the best for yourself. The best for us is the gift of the Holy Ghost. He brings Christ's power to us. He teaches us the truth which sanctifies. The minute the Holy Ghost enters your life, I say, as the controlling power. He touches us about every life in, a, in somewhere or other. But the minute you invite the Holy Ghost by accepting Christ... As the controlling power, it is at that very instant that eternal life begins for you. Amen. I appreciate the amen. I'm not sure you understood what I just said. No Holy Ghost, no eternal life. Let me repeat. The Holy Ghost affects every single person under the sun in several ways. For those who have passed God's mercy and cannot be saved, the Holy Spirit still restrains them from doing all the evil they can possibly do. But God is gradually withdrawing the Holy Spirit. This world is about to see some terrible times. The Holy Spirit wrestles with sinners who have not yet had a chance to hear the word. He convicts their hearts. Then the Holy Spirit works in the believer to let the believer know that this is wrong, repent, to give the believer power to resist the devil, to enlighten the believer in the word. The Holy Spirit affects everyone, but only the person who receives Christ who then gives that person the spirit to function as the controlling power in the life. The instant you invite the spirit as the controlling power, that instant eternal life begins. Because the spirit is the spirit of life. Don't leave this place without letting God know from your heart, I want to be filled with your Holy Spirit. 
No spirit, no life. Christ, that's how Christ dwells in your heart. Christ, remember, he's divine and human. He still has human form. He can be everywhere. That's why he said, I'll send a comforter. That's how I'll dwell in you, by the comforter. He said, I will not leave you alone. I will come to you in the person of the comforter. The same way the ambassador to Canada for the United States has all the authority of the United States government behind him. Because he speaks only what the government stands for. The Holy Ghost is the ambassador of heaven and all of heaven is behind him. With Jesus Christ as commander in chief to back up whatever the Holy Spirit does. Get the Holy Spirit into your life. If you're not sure you have the Holy Spirit of God, I ask you now as your brother in Christ, as God's messenger to you, have you repented? Have you considered baptism? Are you obedient to God? If you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you're none of His. How many of you will say, Lord, Lord, this message has opened my eyes. I want your Holy Spirit, the Spirit of life. If you say that, I believe all of you will stand up to your feet. This, I want the Spirit. And you alone can search your heart and see where their deficits. Lord, am I obedient? Acts 5.32, the Spirit is given to those who obey. Have I repented? Am I planning to be baptized? Heads bowed. As you consider what you'll put on that card, eyes closed. Father, in the name of Jesus, listen to every crying heart. Answer every earnest prayer. Heed every desperate plea. No one in this room wants to be lost. Some of us may be thinking, based on this message, I don't have the Holy Ghost. If that's the case, Father, convict them that the method of receiving the Spirit is simple obedience to Christ, repentance from sin, and we're needed baptism in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. My God, my God, have mercy upon us. Convict us to receive the Spirit at your invitation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Stay standing. The cameras may cease rolling, but I'm not done. 25 after 8, it'll take 5 minutes. I need to know as God's representative, which one of you will commit yourself? You've all stood, I know that. But if in your heart you think you do not have, you are not led by the controlling power of the Holy Ghost, don't leave this place in that condition. Because the devil tries every minute to snuff out your life. In a moment... When you're not ready. Let me know on that card. I want the Holy Ghost. Simply because you have not yet given the life entirely to Christ. Perhaps you've not repented of sin that's presently in your life. The Holy Ghost does not dwell in the heart of an active sinner. Let me say that again. I did not say the Holy Ghost does not dwell in the heart of someone who makes mistakes. No, he does. And he convicts the Holy Ghost, which means Christ as his representative, does not dwell in the heart of the active sinner. That's no way to live in a dangerous world. If you think in your heart you have not consciously, deliberately invited the Spirit into your heart by submitting yourself in loving obedience to Christ, I want to know on that card that you're making that decision tonight. I want to, there to be no blood on my hands. And blood will be on my hands in the eyes of God if I do not present this to you as clearly as I possibly can. If the Spirit does not dwell as a controlling power in your life, you do not belong to Christ. And if you do not belong to Christ, there is no entrance into the kingdom for you. But don't allow the sacrifice of Christ to be wasted in your life. Make sure the Spirit of God is in your heart before you leave this place by surrendering to Christ, laying down a life of disobedience and rebellion against God.
And I'm not talking to all of you. I believe most of you have already done that. I'm not speaking to all of you, but the few who are still rebelling, lay down the rebellion tonight and let Christ put his spirit of life into your heart. Do it 100% and eternal life will begin for you tonight. Let me pray again. Father, my words are weak. I pray that that same spirit of which I spoke will do its work on hearts. Soften resisting hearts. Lord, fling wide doors of the hearts that are ajar and enter in. Dwell there as a guarantee of salvation. Help us to lay down, my God, all rebellion against you. That we may receive the Holy Ghost's promise to them that obey you, who repent and where necessary are baptized. Please hear this humble prayer. Let us make that commitment now. I pray from my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Make sure the ushers get those cards. We pray over them. We want you saved. We love you. God bless you. I won't come to the door tonight, so please shake somebody else's hand. And I will see you when? Tomorrow night. What time? 7 o'clock. God bless you.